0: Started as any other day. stories of every day. I haven't um, trimmed my mustache in a while, so I keep. Having to drink the remnants of my drink when it gets so like your mustache, oh, yeah. you don't ever it's let you, you don't ever let yours grow out long, so I you don't know this. I hate this. It. I, hate it. I don't know I'm. Um, but it's like a sponge when you drink and you get to let it, you let it get too long and you drink something, it's like it sponges up the the fluid into your mustache, so that yeah. after you put the drink down, you didn't have to. You got to drink what's correct? <laughs> your mustache.
1: Yeah, I've seen people do that. That's disgusting. It is disgusting, but I mean, Are all you got to you your... do is
0: trim it. It's and also, it's your fine. mustache though so it's fine. I don't, really, I don't really care, anyways. But yeah, it, it's not. It's probably not sanitary. so I, I just gotta trim it.
1: I mean, where you put in your mustache, just in the air, gives a shit,
0: right? I don't really care. I really don't care either way. Yeah, like right. I'm, I'm not generally that sanitary of a person.
1: Right. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Macabre Reality: True Stories of Everyday Horror. Are you my, you're my co-captain today? There's Matt over there.
0: No, uh, no. no, 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 no. The, There's only uh, one captain of the ship. I, I'll, I'll be your, your I'll, I'll be your, uh, be I'll my be your, I'll be your first mate. <laughs> <laughs> you can be my captain. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll okay. be my yeah. captain, baby. Okay. I'll, I'll be your captain. Be you can captain. be my first mate then. All right. I appreciate that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, thank you. And I'm Josh and I'm blazed and blessed mateys. Mateys. That's awful. I'm going to try so many boat puns. You can go for it. And we'll just see what happens. Just roll with it, baby. And um, at the end, if I don't get them in, we'll just rapid fire them off. All right. Well, anyways, today, on today's episode, we discuss how being late can lead to the creation of the NFL and how this ship should have been named Butter because this bitch was on a roll. But instead, it's called the SS Eastland Disaster.
0: Saturday, July 24th, 1915, was going to be an exciting day for the employees of Western Electric Company's plant in Cicero, Illinois, near Chicago. Now, what are you laughing about? <laughs>
1: because you said it was going to be a fun day. They were, like, excited about it.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, no, just hear me out. I get- <laughs> and by the way, Western Electric, we're going to mention Western Electric Company a lot. They are the, like, precursor to AT&T. Uh, on that day, uh, for on that day was scheduled Western Electric's uh, fifth annual company picnic. The employees would embark on a fancy passenger steamship for a three-hour cruise across Lake Michigan from Chicago. To the inappropriately named Michigan City, Indiana. <laughs> I hate that so much. I, I really don't like it that at all. So please, angry. please change that. Although I do, I guess now is a good time to mention. Just up the shore of Lake Michigan from Michigan City, Indiana is Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking asshole! I wish. I fucking wish. It's it's a uh, Michiana. Oh it's, it's the border God. between Indiana and Michigan, and it's called Michiana, it's sort of like Texarkana. <laughs> uh, and it made me realize I love towns that are on the borders between two states that are just named <laughs> it as a mashup of the names of the two states. I don't and I only it. know of two examples of that, and I just learned one today or What's yesterday. The, oh, oh, Texarkana. Okay. Texarkana. I don't know. And I just it. think that's cool. Michiana. I, yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm not with it. <laughs> It's very confusing. I, I, dig it. I dig it. But that's, that's up the way from Michigan City, Indiana, which is south of Michigan and Michiana. There would be a fancy free day at Washington Park, a beautiful park on the shore of Great Lake Michigan in Michigan City, Indiana. They had planned a company baseball game and would presumably have also spent the day doing other 1915-era stuff, like rolling hoops with sticks, <laughs> kicking cans, and going to the local malt shop for a fizzy tonic and ice cream.
1: Hey, hold on, man. How many people were on a field in baseball? We all know this. At a time. Nine? Uh, uh, nine.
0: Well, right. 18, I guess. Well, no, 10. 10.
1: It could be 10, sure. It could yeah. be four outfielders. Yeah.
0: Well, no, 10, I meant because the batter. How many people were on this ship ready to go to this uh, picnic baseball game? Uh, there's uh, 2,500. Okay. All right. Yeah, a huge baseball well, game. Well, not everybody gets to play. There's <laughs> gonna be a lot of. There's gonna be a lot of what. I mean, were they having a tournament. When's you know you watch a baseball game on TV? I think they're having a tournament. How many people are in the stands versus how many people are on the field? Okay, hey, fair, fair enough. And this is this Good was point. this was when baseball was. I mean, baseball is still popular, obviously, but back in 1910s, That's the baseball only thing that was, was around. like yeah, that was it. Yeah. Football was nothing at this point. I mean, it was around, but it was it was like it was just baseball, apple it was pie, baseball. That was it. it was well. It, It was baseball, horse racing, and boxing were the the big three sports. Um, Apple pie is not a sport. It's a dessert. All right. All right. As fate would have it, they would not even be unmoored from the ship's dock on the Chicago River before the real excitement began. The SS Eastland was launched in 1903 and was built as a passenger ship to cruise primarily between Chicago and South Haven, Indiana. The Jinks Company, which already Uh-oh. already we got a, already we should have known, the Jinx Company, spelled J E N K S, uh, which built the Eastland, had built their pa- their last passenger ship twenty years prior in eighteen eighty three. The Eastland had four decks, was two hundred sixty five feet long, and had a thirty eight foot two inch beam, and that's the width of the vessel at its widest point. And I know very little about ships, but just looking at the pictures of it, it looks pretty narrow, and mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just appears like it would be prone to doing exactly what it does. Yeah. It, I, mean, I mean, it, it looks you, very top-heavy. Yeah.
1: It looks narrow. You're, that's the right word. It's a,
0: it looks like a giant kayak. I mean, it's <laughs> a very narrow vessel, it's ugly. It's ugly.
1: <laughs> Here we go, back on kayaks. Again.
0: Well, we don't have to get back on kayaks, and we don't have to get back to you. Well, we're going to mention U-boats later, but... It is, it's an ugly ship I yeah. mean it's can would you agree with me yeah, on that? It is it's ugly. just it's not a it's not an attractive looking uh, ship no uh, the Eastland had an early rivalry with another Great Lakes passenger steamship of similar size and built by like a rival family from the same uh, city and the name of the other boat was the city of South Haven uh, and the rivalry was over which uh, vessel was faster and they actually yeah. had they actually raced the two ships and the Eastland beat the city of South Haven by over three minutes which is like just you know, destroying in, in, a, yeah. in a boat race. I mean, three minutes, That's crazy. I like, Holy shit. Um, however, the expected business from the promotional stunt failed to materialize. This was most likely due to the Eastland gaining a re- reputation for being top heavy and difficult to navigate. In 1904, the ship almost capsized with 3,000 mm-hmm. passengers aboard and was notably unstable when loading and unloading passengers and cargo. And I think that near capsizing happened in uh, South Haven. Actually, they were initially running that cir- that circuit between South Haven and Chicago until the city of South Haven pretty much took it. And then they were running from Cleveland to Cedar Point for a number of years. Yeah. And another listing incident occurred in 1906, and I think that was in Cleveland. And modifications were made to the vessel, inclu- including lowering the number of passengers. They were carrying upwards of 3,000. 3, yeah. Uh, so they lowered that number. To 2,800. Yeah. Yep. And then shortening the smokestacks in an effort to make the ship more stable. However, the ship's stability issues remained with another listing incident occurring in 1912 in Cleveland, that was the one that was in Cleveland, uh, while passengers were being loaded. The Eastland was so unpopular with passengers that the owners had difficulty filling it to capacity. At one point, they offered a 5,000 reward to any expert who could prove the ship unsafe. Uh, It should be noted also the ownership changed hands four times before the events of July 24th, 1915. Right. Uh, so it was just, it was a boat. Was, the ownership always had financial difficulties with it, so they were always passing it along. Uh, while no one took them up on their uh, their $5,000 offer, as far as I'm aware, naval architects did know, uh, of who knew of the Eastland, knew that her listing problems, if they weren't fixed, uh, it would only be a matter of time before a disaster occurred. And one actually wrote to the harbormaster in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, specifically warning of this issue. July 24th, 1915, started with a misty rain. The SS Eastland was docked on the Chicago River between the Clark and LaSalle Street bridges along what is now Wacker Drive. Oh. The red brick tower of the Reed Murdoch building loomed over the scene, its clock counting down the last moments in the lives of so many below. Meanwhile, the employees began boarding as early as 6.30 a.m. For the mostly Czech immigrant employees, the day was to be a rare vacation. The cruise to Michigan city alone would have been impressive for them, but to have the company planned picnic at Washington park meant they were prepared for a truly exceptional day. Almost all brought their families and many friends came along as well. And all 7,000 people, 7,000 people were, uh, were to attend the company picnic ferried on three separate ships. The Eastland being one of them, a 7,000 yeah. person company picnic. Yeah. That's a hell of a company picnic.
1: Yeah. And you know, they weren't allowed days off or, um, holidays so right. this is like they're like yeah we're bringing everybody this is
0: like the super bowl this is right. like going to the super bowl for or the world for series they, because yeah they're gonna all, play softball. well yeah more okay. baseball or baseball okay. um yeah this is a big deal for them they don't get a lot of time off Mm-mm. uh they probably work six days a week and probably just got sundays off um just just going on a, just getting on a fancy ship would have been like wow this is yeah. really cool it would have been really unique but the fact they're doing that. And then taking the the cruise across Lake Michigan, which would have been you know beautiful, as in July. Yeah. Uh, then going to Washington Park, it's also uh, I looked at pictures, very beautiful. Um, it, I mean, it would have been like a like a. Like a a day they'd remember for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and these are a lot and of it did Czech, wind up being
1: that a lot of Czech immigrants. Yes, they okay. were uh
0: they were mostly Czech, and I get maybe other, other Eastern Europeans, but mostly Czech uh, immigrants. And the plant that they worked at was in Cicero, Illinois, uh, near Chicago.
1: And Czech immigrants love boats.
0: <clears throat> yeah, they don't get to see a lot of them. They, love, I guess. Uh, they, they love. They love baseball. Do. Well, they do. You, they, their love of boats actually worked against them later on in this story. <laughs> As the passengers steadily streamed onto the ship, many headed down into the lower decks as it was a cool and damp morning. Moreover, this was, after all, a cruise ship, and there was entertainment and luxury to be found throughout. There were lemonade stands and popcorn machines, pianos, probably playing the latest Scott Joplin jam, calliope music, and everybody was getting ready to have a dilly of a time. (laughs) Remember, this was a time when... Wearing a hat with a little propeller on top was not a joke. It was just a fucking cool hat.
1: Yeah, dude. Oh, man. I think Dude, the
0: 19, 1910s, 1920s, I told you, you know this. I fucking love that time. Yeah. I wish I lived back then. It's fucking awesome. And they did stuff that we think of, like, comical now, and they were not joking at all. Like, yeah. they just, they were, they fucking, they owned it.
1: The hat, I like the hat, man. The hat, yeah, the all hat. that it's shit. It's like a fan on top of your head. If you get a bigger one, then it works out. Yeah, yeah. It might yeah. be dangerous, too, but. Yeah. So, all
0: right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so these folks were ready for some fun and relaxation yeah. with family and friends.
1: And they were ready for some baseball. A Friday night. Party. Catch the fever. <laughs> Catch the fever.
0: Soon after the 2,500 plus passengers boarded the vessel, the ship began to list back and forth. Uh, and. Should we say what listing is? Yeah, because
1: I did look it up. Okay. I mean, you can pretty much figure out what the fuck's going on after the Bas- description of the the right. ship. It's right. top heavy. It's, it's right. rocking so back and forth.
0: Basically, it's rocking from side to side. For, like if you for, on its axis from front to back, it's rocking from side to side. And a ship can list with nobody on it,
1: and this one had before, I do believe, right? right? And so, especially when people were kind of leaning toward one side. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's going. Uh, Many found it amusing as old-timey vending machines, which they did not consider old-timey, and chairs began to slide back and forth on the deck. The crew attempted to stabilize the ship by pumping water into her ballast tanks, but at around 7.28 a.m., as she was preparing to unmoor, the Eastland began listing heavily to port, that's left, away from the wharf. It would uh, later be reported that this was because many of the passengers on the deck rushed to the port side once all at once to watch a small boat passing by on the river. Then as one witness put it, quote, she simply rolled over. The Eastland settled with her port side on the bottom of the river, a mere twenty feet down. Only about half of the vessel was submerged. In terms of visual excitement, it would have not have been all that impressive. <laughs> right. It was just a boat that kind of rolled over onto its side. Yeah, in 20 feet of water. Right. Yeah. So and uh, as we mentioned, it was about almost a 40-foot beam, uh, which is the width at its widest point. So about half the boat was submerged Mm -hmm. uh, on its side. What would have been impressive uh, was the side of the ship's passengers scrambling over the starboard railing as the deck went vertical, and the starboard side of the ship's hull became the top side. And they were the fortunate ones. Screams filled the air as over a thousand people below decks found themselves trapped. Many were crushed by pianos and heavy furniture. Many were simply unable to get out after the sudden roll as the exits were now effectively on the ceiling or were submerged. Those below decks on the port side would have been in the worst place, unable to escape from the rooms quickly filling with water. Those standing safely on the starboard side could look down in horror into the portholes and see the chaos and agony below. One witness recalled seeing a woman, unable to escape herself, pass her baby up through a porthole. For those who did manage to escape, the heavy Victorian-era clothing proved a further impediment to salvation. Responders were quickly on the scene, this happening in downtown Chicago. Other vessels pulled alongside the Eastland to rescue, to rescue those standing on the hull of the vessel. A crowd soon formed along the riverfront to watch the drama, and others took action themselves. Elmer Nelson, an iron worker employed nearby, took his welding torch and equipment with him and rushed to the scene. He was instructed by the firemen to use the torch to create openings in the hull so that so that they could get to the um, the passengers trapped therein. Mm. At this point, Captain Pedersen, the Eastland's captain, and several of his crew attempted to stop Nelson from you know creating holes in the side of his boat, side of his ship. Whereupon the captain and the crew were arrested and detained to prevent their interference. <laughs> What a dickhead. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Divers combed the river for bodies, which were fished out onto onto one of many of small boats that were uh, converged on the scene. One diver, Reggie Bowles, known as the Frogman, would dive over 40 times that day to retrieve bodies, most vividly recalling the body of a woman clutching her uh, baby. Uh, And he was traumatized for life, by the way in all 844 passengers and four crew died in the eastland tragedy 22 entire families were wiped out the bodies were staged in nearby warehouses and the vessels passenger list used to aid in identification one of the dead number 396 on the list of bodies i guess they had uh, a boy referred to as the little feller went un- unidentified for days after the tragedy before his grandmother identified him as willie Novotny. When his, pic- when his picture was published in the paper, he'd gone on un- he had gone unidentified because the rest of his family had also drowned. So, can you imagine standing there with your family, watching somebody on the piano just
1: getting it like little j- light jazz in the morning? It's in the morning. You're not gonna get too crazy, not too crazy because it's in right, the morning, right? But morning, a little morning jazz, some smooth jazz, and then you're just like that piano's getting closer to us, and mm-hmm. it's getting real close.
0: Well, so, so what had apparently how it was occurring was as they were loading on the ship or they they'd pretty much loaded all 2500 on by about 7:10 a.m.
1: Yeah, so it was really early.
0: And it was already it, it was rocking back and forth at this point. Mm-hmm. And and so the stuff was just kind of sliding one way and the other. And then it and the crew were attempting to um correct it by filling the I believe the starboard ballast tanks, but Trying to use the ballast tanks to correct it, which were mostly empty, which we'll get to, um, and it just started to list. It just started to list so heavily to port that it didn't correct and, and just rolled yeah. right on over. And, and it, it would look fairly innocuous if you just saw it from far away. Yeah. If not for the fact that below decks was filled with people. Oh my and god. And so it's just like, so many people. Yeah, it's just it, it's like drowning in a puddle sort of situation. Like it's not a deep you know it's not like they're out in the north atlantic like the titanic it's just, it's just they up. just kind of rolled over in the chicago river but with that situation um you know just people are trapped you're gonna drown very quickly obviously yeah. before anybody can, can and, save you i mean you're crushed and there's so and, many and, people and obviously and that's the other thing a lot there's of people so were crushed people. by pianos bookcases each tables. other and you know back in this time period furniture was heavy as shit yeah and you got to think on these, like, to give you an idea of what these um, these cruise lines. And I, I I don't know what they look like today. I don't. I I'm not a cruise mm-hmm. ship person, but I know back then they were pretty fancy looking on the inside. They're pretty ornate. Um, they were a lot more luxurious than you might expect. Uh, or that you know, I was surprised when I saw some pictures of some of these types of boats on the inside. And they're oh, very, yeah. you know, these these nice stair I think is these staircases super excited and, about it yeah i mean i mean it's sort of it's it it was a much smaller version of the titanic i mean a much more modest version but it was still you know it was fancy it was real fancy and they had a lot of stuff in there stuff that was not uh fastened down and that was heavy and that you know when the when the ship rolled over uh crushed people so yeah a lot of people died that way and they that ship in particular listed a few times
1: and so they still didn't bolt down any furniture, which is bizarre. Right. Which, oh, and then they knew they knew how many passengers were about to get on that. But anyways, back to the Titanic. After the Titanic sank, Woodrow Wilson signed uh, uh, the Federal Seamans Act. Which I'll, I'll get to in okay. a Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. But I just wanted to um, ask you, you we're, we were talking about it's on its side, so it never got untied from the pier, right?
0: Uh, no, I don't think it was ever unmoored from the so, door. They were about to do that is
1: would you call that peer pressure? Yeah. All right, I tried yeah. it, you know. Yeah, fucking tried it. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> I said I was going to try it. I warned everybody up front. You did try. Uh several reasons were peer pressure. Forward. Get it? It's the peer. I get it, yeah. Okay. Right. I get But it's just the peer didn't have anything to do with it. You know, I didn't know how to work that one out. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just went. For it. But okay. I mean, yeah, if 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 but somehow yeah. they bumped into the peer and then rolled over, I'd be fucking on board with yeah. that joke. Several reasons were put forth as to why the ship rolled over that day, including severe overcrowding and the fact that the ballast tanks were empty. Which okay, so we explain listing. Should we explain ballast tanks? Yes. Okay, so basically, um, there are these uh, compartments in the down in like the keel part of the of the vessel, like that's the lowest part in the hull, and you can fill them up to um, lower the the boat in the water uh the vessel in the water and it makes it more stable yep and i get and they can and then they can take some out i guess if they need to if they're at a dock and they need to raise up to help to aid in loading or unloading cargo or that sort of thing if they need to like raise the ship's water line or it's you know how high yeah, it is in the water i've actually seen that happen I yeah think. they can they can take you know they can remove water from the ballast tanks or they can put water in But so, if there's no water in the ballast tanks, that's the least stable they could be because they're going to be at their high. They're going to be as high as they can be in the water. The the ship is going to sit as high as it can. And on this morning, the ballast tanks were empty, um, which makes the thing less, which makes the ship less stable. And this was already an unstable ship in the first place. Yes. Um, Further, as uh, some have pointed to, the Siemens Act passed that same year in response to the Titanic disaster, which had occurred three years earlier. Uh, and the Siemens Act required the retrofitting. Uh, see, we don't share the script before before the show, <laughs> as you can tell. Well, yeah. uh, this act required the retrofitting of a complete set of lifeboats on many larger passe- on many large passenger vessels, including the Eastland. Uh, the lifeboats were affixed high on the ship, making her even more top heavy. Mm-hmm. However, no definitive reason has ever been established for the ship's capsizing. A lot of people just rushing to one side, man and so that that's that's yeah there, I mean, there are reports of that i don't know for for sure if that's if that happened or not but it's there are reports that yeah that because again it goes back to these people haven't seen a whole lot of stuff no. and they're on this big fancy ship and then they see this other fancy looking I, they it was described as a launch and i had to look that up a launch is a small boat so it was not even a an, like we're not talking about a yacht or something yeah. cool. we're talking about a little like dinghy rowboat yeah. was going by and they all rushed to the side of the, the ship to, to look at it, it. And they ended
1: up being in it. Yeah. Some of them might yeah. have been and in then, that boat. And then, yeah, well, yeah, some, yeah. <laughs> you're,
0: so you're right about that. It, yeah, I mean, I can then, imagine yeah, that. A lot, a lot of launches came after that. I mean, if you if you don't see
1: anything and you're an immigrant and you just work all the time, and they're taking mm-hmm. you on this fancy ass boat, all yeah. this fancy furniture, you're letting you're just like letting loose. And in well, that case, you're like, I yeah. need to go see this. And then you're like,
0: fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they probably didn't realize, piano. and they didn't realize, because a lot of them were amused at how the thing was was. Was listing back and forth they, as they were it's it was, yeah. and it's like I, if they were more you know savvy about that kind of travel, would have realized yeah. that that's not normal. Um, the president and three officers of the company uh, that owned the Eastland, along with Captain Pedersen and the engineer of the ship, were all indicted. The company men for manslaughter, and the captain and the engineer for criminal carelessness, as they had all fled Illinois to Michigan extradition hearings had to be held first to compel them to return to illinois for trial it was during these hearings that Sidney Jinx, remember Jinx company the 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 company Street. that mm-hmm. built the um that built the the eastland um stated that the vessel had been commissioned to be a fast ship to transport fruit and that the vessel was designed with a capacity of only 500 people mm. now this the following is, is a quote and so the defense, um, the defense counsel for the company was legendary attorney Clarence Darrow, which is not particularly relevant. Although you know they, you know, they they were successful in their defense, so yeah. it's worth mentioning that. Um, but also yeah, the judge, nice the, the judge was apparently also pro business anyway. So I don't know how much was Clarence there, how much was the judge. Yeah, but it's worth mentioning when you have this you know legendary figure. Uh, he was representing the defense. Um, and he asked um, Jinx, the, the, the president of the company that built the ship, uh, if he ever worried about the conversion of the ship into a passenger steamer with a capacity of 2,500 or more passengers. And Jinx replied, I had no way of knowing the quantity of its business after it left our yards. No, I did not worry about the Eastland. The court, which was notably pro-business, as I just mentioned, ruled against extradition, and ultimately, no one was held to account in any way for the Eastland tragedy. Which I guess makes this kind of a success story as nobody did anything wrong. The ship, in perfectly (laughs) calm, shallow water, just rolled over and drowned and crushed a bunch of people, as they are wont to do. Unfortunately, (laughs) no charges were ever brought against the Eastland herself for her unassisted massacre of 848 people. Jesus. Ultimately, it would take three weeks to right the ship. She had to be cranked up to 70 degrees before she righted herself the remaining 20. A ship should be able to ride herself at 45 degrees, if not lower. Soon thereafter, the U.S. Navy purchased the vessel, renovated it, and renamed her the USS Wilmette, uh, a training and reserve gunboat stationed in the Great Lakes and decommissioned after World War II. And interesting fact there is she got to... Uh, Sink a German U boat during peacetime that was towed into the uh, <laughs> there was t- see, she only attacks unarmed uh, unarmed, people. unarmed people. Um, so oh, they t- after, I guess it was probably a World War One era German U boat because it's probably between the wars that this happened. And they towed a German U boat in there and, and they just used the Wilmette to shell it and sink it. Just they, they did that all the time. I love it. I love the story.
1: 20-year-old George Howis was supposed to be on that ship, Matt. But guess what? When he was when he turned up. Who is that? I'll tell you in a second. When he turned up, the ship was turned over. And uh when he turned up, the ship was turned over, baby. When George Hallis gets turned up, the ship gets turned over. They said it was his fault, but that is not true. That's allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Howis is actually would become the coach and the owner of the Chicago Bears. And guess what? Bears, my dear. He also was the founder of the motherfucking NFL. So if he would have got on that boat, no football. It would have just been baseball all the time. That's right. So, so um, he but he his name was added to the um, his name was added to the the cease list, and so
0: I guess well, he was in fraternity or something. Yeah. So I can yeah. actually elaborate because okay, I um I read a biography on George Halas oh, no. years ago, Hell yeah. and like I when we we're, when I did this story and, and found this little tidbit out about that, he was supposed to be on this, um, uh, ship. I went back to the, to the book to see, like, I wonder if they mentioned that chapter one, missing the boat. Oh, <laughs> so shit. they, they go into, so Hallis, who was enrolled at the time in the university of Illinois and was a reserve on the football team was trying to gain weight to get a starting spot the morning of July 24th. And so he had taken after high school in between enrolling at, um, uh, the University of Illinois. He had taken a year off and sort and to, to again to give him time to gain weight. And during that year, he worked at Western Electric. And so during over the summer, away from university, he was I guess back working with Western Electric. And that's and he was going to be playing in that company uh, baseball game. Um, the morning of July twenty fourth, <laughs> as he was heading out the door to go to the dock and board the Eastland, his brother Frank stopped him and asked him to step on the scale first because apparently his brother was kind of trying to be the guy to make sure he gained weight and, and checked on that and all that. He weighed 163 pounds, by the way. Oh, okay. A running back on a college football team, not soaking wet because he <laughs> right. missed the ship got and you. he was not. Yeah. Uh, the delay saved his life. A reporter got a list of passengers and Hallis was listed among the fatalities. Um, just cause they, I guess cause they couldn't account for him cause he never showed up. Two of his university of Illinois fraternity brothers went to his house the following evening, having read, having seen a name in the paper that morning, uh, to express their condolence to his parents and instead they're greeted by House himself at the door, <laughs> which is like, which is crazy, which is a surprise. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: um His friend was on that ship though, but he um escaped through a porthole. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Awesome. And, and
0: he was another like executive with the bears, with the bears or something yep, like that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I can't remember his name, but yeah. But that's, yeah. George Hallis was supposed to be on that. And that's then, an awesome um, story, man. And then, so I think we mentioned the, the Eastland being referred to as the to kind of this is kind of going back to how nobody um, had was held to account. Nobody spent any time in jail. Nobody paid any paid a dime. Eight hundred and forty eight yeah. people died. Yeah, that's more in terms of passengers. That's more than the Titanic. Now, you'll see people say that. And I've, I've seen videos where people are like more people died on the Eastland than on the Titanic. It's like, no, that's not true. Almost twice as many people died on the Titanic. Yeah, Yeah. but the thing is, almost 700 of those were um, crew. So when you play games with words, you can say, oh, more passengers died on the Eastland than on the Titanic, which is true, but it gives a very misleading Mm -hmm. impression of the two tragedies. It's very sneaky. It's sneaky, which I don't like. But at any rate, um, it has been referred to as the blue collar Titanic in that a similar number, a similar number of passengers did die on both ships. But whereas the Titanic was known for having a large number of very wealthy passengers, those on the Eastland, as we've talked about, were blue collar workers, many of them Eastern European immigrants. What think, are you laughing about? I think the blue ti-
1: collar Titanic is hilarious. Okay. I just imagine, uh, Jeff Foxworthy performing on there. Oh yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> or that fucking guy with that fucking puppet, um, <laughs> But no, yeah, but but man. the point being, if they had rich people in that ship, there's no fucking way nobody that nobody would have paid or mm-hmm. been spent any jail time or nothing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's just so, so it, like, yeah, because yeah, yep. that's the dichotomy here, because, OK. If people are responsible for the Titanic going down, I know they're different situations, but either way, if people had to pay when the Titanic which down went down, which I'm sure they did, then how is it that this is, I think a more clear, uh, cut case of the, the ship itself being poorly designed. Uh, and there being issues yeah. with how it was, it was operated, which, the- which says, yeah, no, this was not an act. This is not force majeure. They're sitting in a, in the Chicago River, it's completely calm. It's twenty feet deep. Yeah, they the didn't hit the an boat. iceberg. Yeah, you know the boat just rolled over. There's definitely people are to blame for this, and it, nobody was held to account. It was all the modifications, all the
1: the allowing 2,800 people to get on the boat when it was listed to have be safe for 500 people.
0: That was I mean, so, that's so interesting that like after all this, they go back to the the. The president of the company that built the ship and he's like yeah no we designed that for only 500 people it's like almost from its from the very beginning of its use yeah. it had up to 3,000 people on it that when it almost rolled over in south haven in 1904 the ship was launched in 1903 it had yeah almost 3,000 people on it yeah they,
1: they threw their hands up in the air we didn't tell him hey he, we didn't tell him shit but i mean
0: but apparently that's what and that that's apparently what he was commissioned to build that's what he was told to build a a Fruit transport ship with a capacity of 500 people but almost immediately they're trying they're using it as a passenger ship so it just didn't make any sense but and it's also interesting and i mentioned that the ship company the, the shipbuilders had not built a passenger ship for uh 20 years for over 20 years 1883 was the last time they'd built a passenger ship damn so I mean I don't know. They built it I, too I tall. Rather,
1: they built it too tall. I, I just mean, feel, feel like maybe
0: they, they didn't really tall. know how to build a quality uh, ship of this size. I think they built mostly tugs and, and yeah. that sort of thing. But
1: well, I'll tell you who it did piss off was Carl Sandberg. Did you read? Oh you see about that? yeah, he was yeah.
0: pissed. Oh, he was super pissed. But, I mean he he saw for Do what it ha- was. Yeah. So well, Sandberg, um, he compared the the tragedy of the Eastland to just the general um, plight of. The lower classes in America and, and in one of his poems he says I see a dozen Eastlands every morning on my way to work and a dozen more going home at night um, so that's a interesting quote
1: yeah, he he was really pissed at the company for making them all join this picnic for an optic reason, like right, you know, to, to look good well, to, the, to the public and yeah, yeah. Although that's, and, I
0: think they were thrilled to be going. They were thrilled. Yeah, I don't yeah, think by they all accounts they, they were, were not super forced into, Yeah, I think they were super. I mean, happy they brought their going. families and everything. Yeah, so. I would have been, I'd have been jazzed to go on that. Although it
1: did say they were not allowed to not go, but it's. like oh, I didn't like, know that. I didn't hear that. You know, they they were they had to go. It was like a a thing that everybody had to do. Yeah, but I still I still think they were all fucking. Psyched. I'm sure they're
0: still still i uh, stoked to go so. the, happy about it and it i'm i wouldn't point the finger so much at western electric as um the boatman the 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 well the ship builder and yeah. and the ship more to the point the ship uh owner i don't even know if it's because yeah. again if if that was as far as the ship builder you know the owner the, the initial owner commissions you to build uh, a ship and they tell you what they need it for if it's true that that's what yeah. they said then it's not on it's you know it's not that's on true. them. Yeah, it wasn't the shipbuilders. I take that back. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um,
1: they saw they saw money, they saw profit, and they were like, "We're gonna just go for it."
0: Yeah. And the the Saint Joseph, got away with it. yeah, so. the Saint the Saint Joseph Chicago Steamship Company, uh, that was the owners uh, um, at the time of the, the tragedy. It, get on, you know, get on Google reviews and give them a bad review right now. Yeah, you know what? Bad review. You know, that's a one star. One Saint star review, Chicago. That's a one star.
1: Um, and you know this interesting fact, Marion Colts. The last known survivor of the cap capsizing That's died right. on in November 2014 at the age mm-hmm.
0: of 102. That's right. So good for you. And speaking of, you know, 2014, the very next year was 2015. And in 2015, <laughs> a University of <laughs> Illinois student found newsreel footage of the disaster that was thought lost. And he found it in a Danish archive while re- doing research on World War I. And so that kind of brings up another important thing we need to mention here. Okay, so on. this, I just wanted to compliment you on that flawless segue. Oh, thank you, okay, thank you. Continue. Um, so, uh, it, one thing we have not mentioned really thus far is that 1915, uh, the big news in the world was uh, World War One is raging. Uh, that that lasted from 1914 to I've 1918. You may have heard about it, also known as the Great War. And 1915, it was. it was still very much in the thick of it. And so. It, what I'm trying to get at is this is not a, a tragedy that's remembered very much, even though it has um, the largest death toll of any single event occurring in the continental United States in the 20th century. Yeah. And most people have never even heard of it. I know. That's which wild. is insane. I know. I love that. But, but we, I want to talk about why that might be. And obviously, World War One, you know, casting this huge historical shadow over it is, is a big part of that. But also, you have two... Very famous uh, ship disasters that occurred around the same time. In 1912, you have the Titanic, which mm-hmm. is very well remembered and, and obviously heard of it. You know, most people think about that. Most of the attention goes to that yeah. movie. Many movies have been made on that. Leonardo DiCaprio. Right, exactly. And then, and Pink I think meat. it was in 1916, uh, you had the Lusitania, which was mm-hmm. torpedoed by a German U boat and okay. was a big factor in the. U.S. entering world war one. And so historically, I think you have these two other boat disasters along with the first world war that kind of overshadow this. And those other two mm-hmm. boat disasters were international stories. Whereas this is more of a Chicago specific story. Yes. I say that to make this point. Cause some people are like, it's a, they, they think it's a class thing that we, that we remember the Titanic and not the, um, the Eastland, which, you know, I was talking a while ago about there was definitely a class thing as far as nobody having to to account for the Eastland disaster. Yeah. But I don't think it's a class thing as far as nobody remembering it. I think it's just the fact that it was a it was more of a local Chicago story, even though or, or you know, I mean, it, I guess it's still a national story. in so far as it's a Chicago story, um, even though, you know, there's this massive loss of life. It's just not an international story. Um, and it would not have been noted. It. Internationally, it would not have really been picked up very much at the time because obviously they're more focused on the war. Uh, so I just think it got over it just it just gets overshadowed by these yeah. other big events going on. Yeah, only Carl Sandburg wrote something about it, right? And the who the fuck, who the fuck cares about Carl Sandburg? I mean, you know what? I, I do remember I had to write a report on Carl Sandburg in like middle school, and I did not get a good grade on it. And uh, oh, I've never, okay. i have not, I just, I see what's I'm happening. not a huge
1: Carl Sandburg fan. Oh, uh, and here's Matt reading it right now. Reading what? <laughs> and we're back. All right, cool.
0: Now it's <laughs> <was> Carl Sandberg. <laughs> that was entitled, I, I love Carl you, Carl Sandberg, <laughs> and I'll never be mad at you. Uh, to go back to the uh, found footage, it's it's a really unique uh, in that most of the footage you see from like this era, it's really grainy, and like people are walking super crazy because like, the speed is weird. It's like everyone's walking super fast, and you can't mm-hmm. really see anybody very well. But this because of this disaster happening in downtown Chicago, a lot of reporters were able to and journalists and, and whomever, you know, there's media just right there. Mm-hmm. And they were able to get their big, fancy cameras that normally they wouldn't be able to lug to some major event, you know, in time to really capture it. But they could this time. And so the footage is incredible. Um, yeah, it's awesome. for it being from 1915. I mean, you can see the expressions on people's face. you can see what a huge disaster was. You can see them pulling up uh, bodies out of the river. Yeah. Uh, definitely uh, very dead. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's crazy. It's just crazy to see. And, it, and it, it also, it just doesn't look that different than, you know, when tragedies happen today. Yeah. When it comes down to it, you can see the, the people, the shock on their faces and, and the sorrow, it still all looks the same. It's just they're wearing different looking clothes and stuff. But it's, it's just really, it's really neat to see something from so long ago where you can actually see, um, you can connect with them. Whereas a lot of times you really can't from when you look at footage from so long ago. Yeah. And
1: if, there, if you see pictures, the pictures are absolutely incredible oh, yeah. too. Yeah. And a lot of time, uh, pictures from that era posed a lot. Yeah. They're very they're yeah. Just blown out or something. Right. And they just look weird. These are like crystal clear. I don't know if they, if they did something to them in the, in the lab where they found them at Illinois, mm-hmm. um, at Chicago, but, but, um, amazing looking pictures. Definitely check it out. Um, yeah, for sure. But they definitely focus on that lady in the dress being pulled out. I guess because it looks her dress, her white dress looks really crazy being pulled out of the water, and yeah, and it, people are just like, it just looks crazy. It's I it's, it.
0: a, it's a it's a shocking thing to see. Yeah, shocking. I mean, it's still even even watching it now. You know, this is from over a hundred years ago. It's still kind of like it's shocking. Yeah. You know, it's just it's like crazy to to, to see that. Uh, and like I said especially for the women uh, the clothing they wore at this time it was still very Victorian like yes they covered everything up yeah so it was a lot of clothes um, so yeah. they had a lot of clothing on a lot and, of log, and when like that crazy. gets yeah filled with water yep. that, that would have made it very difficult and I don't know how many of these folks could drown in the could uh, drown could swim yeah. in the first place and with all those clothes on maybe and with not all, those at all clothes, yeah, yeah and, and then so the clothing just made it Didn't even worse I, I think that covers all the uh, facts I have about it okay
1: I just got on um, one more it's just, um to all the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon watchers in the '90s, it, the Eastland was mentioned in, a, in an episode of So Weird. So I just want to shout that out. That was a good show. That was in the '90s. '90s Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, and real quick, do you have any more boat puns?
0: Uh, no. I you know boat puns are so easy. And okay, uh, well, but I'm not a comedian. I'm, we're, I'm not no, comedian. we're not
1: comedians. Um, I like big boats, and I cannot lie. Mm-hmm. Good one
0: uh no. is that a pun
1: i like big boats and oh okay I, yeah I, uh, right okay, okay, okay I like this yeah. i like big butts yeah, right okay, all right you. um we did the peer pressure one um oh you i know why most of these people drowned actually i just i just remember a fact okay. they clearly were not in ship shape <laughs> that's the one Josh, right there just
0: pointed to the, to the sky that's the
1: one and then i got the last one is what up doc And that's it for us, guys. Thank you so much for for listening. I just want to say this real quick. Check on your friends with allergies because they are not doing well. Um, Definitely check on them. Call them. Make sure they're okay. Um, I sneeze at least 30 times a day now, even taking Zyrtec. Oh, yeah. 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 It's crazy. And we're in the South, so pollen's really bad here. It is really bad. And I don't know if it's bad everywhere else, but I know it's bad here.
0: Well, it's it's that that
1: time of year. Yeah, man. It's that pollen time. Um, Anyway, stay safe out there. Be careful not to find yourself in your own macabre reality. Bye. Say bye, Matt. See you later.